a lot of generating buy-in is just making sure that we really like take time to listen to people, understand what problems they're facing, hear them, and, and apply what they're actually saying to you know the solutions that we bring. So, um, yeah, I, I think if we can just change that, how we generate buy-in thing a little bit, that would make a big difference. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Aaron Henderson as product marketing manager for Stack Construction Technology. Aaron is on a mission to help contracting organizations leverage technology to increase efficiency and minimize risk at scale. Throughout his career, Aaron has worked with top AEC industry leaders to streamline systems and processes and develop strategies for more effective growth. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. So let's start with kind of your your origin story, if you will. How did yeah. you get into the construction industry? Yeah, uh, so probably a little different than most. So I actually came out of school with a construction management degree and a business management degree. And honestly, wasn't really sure if uh, they would crossover totally, but um, mm -hmm. ultimately they, they kind of have. So I came out of school, uh, worked for a, uh, a small consulting firm that actually focused on the trades. So we worked with architects, engineers, contractors, um, really all over the country, um, primarily focused on operational efficiency and business strategy. Um, so kind of cool that I was able to leverage uh, both those degrees together to, to some regard. Yeah, absolutely. So when you came out of school, you had both background there. Did, were you specifically looking for a construction firm that, that you could tap into both or did it, was that just happenstance? It, it really wasn't. It was, it was more happenstance. So I obviously, I mean, super interested in construction and had the construction management degree and was going down that path. But my real passion is, is probably more the business side of construction than it necessarily was like out in the field. And I think I kind of discovered that as I was going through. Um, but really it was, it was cool that it all kind of came together. Um, there aren't a lot of consulting firms that focus on the trades. So the mm -hmm. fact that I, I kind of got partnered up with one um, and uh, was able to leverage both sides of it was, was a pretty cool thing. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. What are some pitfalls? that we'll start on the negative <laughs> side, then we'll go, we'll move over to the positive. <laughs> what, are, what are some pitfalls that you see, especially trade contractors really falling into when it comes to operational efficiency and, and how they set up their, the business practice? You know, I mean, I think, I think it, whether it's trades or, or, you know, the GCs, or even, even when you go over to the design side with the architects and engineers, I mean, I think as an industry, we all hear constantly how much we, we lag in technology adoption and those kinds of things. I think, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is I see a lot in our industry is is kind of the this is the way that we do things here kind of mentality. And I think we all run into that my favorite line. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I think I, I like to think that it's shifting pretty dramatically and pretty fast. Um, but but I think, you know, especially when I came into the industry, um, I came in, you know, that like 2007, 2008 kind of time realm. So it was, it was, it was an interesting time to come into the industry. But, you know, just in the last 10, 15 years, I think that's really started to change a lot as the new generation has started to come in. But, uh, but, you know, you still hear a little bit of it. And so, you know, we still do things probably, you know, paper processes and, and leverage Microsoft Excel, maybe a little bit more than we, than we should, or maybe more than other industries do. So, um, you know, it puts us in a really kind of cool position though, I think where we can sort of look at those other industries 
and see the things that they've done where they were really successful and maybe where they weren't, you know, and, and leverage some of those lessons learned too, as, as we, uh, as we kind of try to push the construction forward. So. Yeah. So you brought up the, uh, the old kind of adage of construction's slow to adopt. Uh, how accurate do you think that is in today's current state of construction? You know, I, like I said, I think it's getting better. You know, we continually reference the old, the McKinsey report that I think everybody's like overly familiar with, of, right. you know, where we fall in comparison to all these other industries. I like to think that's getting better. I'd love to see it redone. I don't know if that's been updated here, you know, recently or not. I'd like to think that we've maybe moved up that ladder a little bit or, or that we're starting to. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see some cool stuff, though. I think uh, there tends to be more investment in construction technology and those kinds of things. Um, and I think where there's investment, you know, things tend to move a little bit faster. So um, I think a lot of the venture capital firms, the big DCs, some of those folks were a little slow, a little reluctant to to jump into construction tech. But um, as they have, I think it's, it's started to push things forward. I think, again, as we've had kind of a new generation and kind of this new uh, uh, these new individuals that are coming into the industry, too, they've kind of helped to propel things. So I like to think it's getting better. Yeah. I, I like to think so as well, too, especially over the <laughs> the last three years. I mean, I'm yeah. I, I'm well aware that I'm in a, a technology and innovation bubble yeah. here, but uh, yeah. I feel like the last three years have seen just a, a huge spike in adoption because, yeah. I mean, people had to. Necessity mm -hmm. breeds action. But yeah. uh, uh, from your side, what have you seen over the, the last couple of years there on that front? Yeah, I mean, I think in a way, I mean, I think not to, to talk too much about COVID and what, what impact COVID kind of had on all of us, but I think especially for laggard industries, and, and I think we do tend to lag still just a little bit, and I do think that's getting better, but um, I think COVID forced a lot of us to quickly adopt technology and have to kind of shift mm -hmm. in ways that we weren't, um, you know, maybe shifting before. So, yeah, I think just little things like, uh, you know, I know one of the big things for me was Zoom calls. And it was like, I used to get on Zoom calls constantly and it was, um, people struggled to connect and didn't know how to use it. And what are we doing? And I can't figure out how to turn on my camera. And it was, it was like weeks. And then all of a sudden everybody knew how to do that. And it was little things like that, where we started to realize like, Hey, this technology thing isn't so crazy. It's not so out there. Hey, we need it, you know, a little bit more. And, and I think, you know, what is it like the, the whole thing of like need, you know, necessitates innovation or something like that, or, you yeah. know, whatever it is. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think the last three years, especially we've seen really, really big shifts just because of that with, you know, companies going more remote and uh, needing to communicate. And I think too, that sort of led us to this place where um, in order to continue to recruit top talent and those kinds of things, we've had to learn how to be a little bit more flexible. Um, you know, I think too, I keep saying the new generation, but I think the new generation is, uh, they're, they're requesting these things. You know, I think like when they go into to companies and they see, you know, old methods, old ways of doing things, I think technology is, uh, is kind of a recruiting tool now also. And, uh, mm -hmm. so, you know, I think that's become a big thing as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so Amy Marks, uh, always, she talks about the expected experience of in our personal life and bringing that into construction. Right. I, I love that phrase because it, it's, it's so true. I feel like in, construction, we tend to accept things that we would never accept in yeah. our personal yeah. life of like how we order, it. we go on Amazon and we expect it to be there, you know, sometimes that day mm -hmm. at, at most two days and we're whining that we have to wait two days, but we can have everything exactly spec'd 
perfectly how we want it. And then we come to construction and we're like, oh no, we have to wait months in order to yeah. get that information. And maybe we get the, uh, kind of in the ballpark, but it'll probably be wrong. Yeah. We would never, <laughs> that would be a, a bad review in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's, it's completely true. And I think the the biggest ones that we see, I mean, we, we compete pretty regularly with some, what I would consider fairly legacy type softwares and things like that. And it's the, just the user experience, right? Like the experience that we expect from software and technology. And we all use, you know, we've our iPhones, our everything else that we've expect this like super high end experience from. And then in our day to day in construction, all of a sudden we, we accept these things that were like commonplace in the 1990s and yeah, it just doesn't happen anywhere else in our life. Yeah. Well, what do you think about, uh, what is it about construction that uh, accepts that kind of uh, mentality of it? Or have we, are, are we jaded that we, if we come and think it is, it's not going to change and we've been slower. Or what do you think makes that, um, yeah, accept it more than maybe other industries? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's an element of, um, there's kind of, I mean, it's, it's the mentality thing. I think, I think we tend to be a pretty strong male dominated, um, industry as a whole, you know, and I think, I think that's, that's been the way it's been. And I think we also, just like we don't see really strong technology adoption, we don't see a lot of diversity within construction. And I think there's kind of this like really strong, my way is the best way kind of a mentality that we've historically had. And I, I see that shifting quite a bit. I mean, women in construction week and as we've had more diversity and we see more inclusion and things like that i think we've also seen is seen a shift sort of in our mindset hopefully um mm -hmm. it's kind of allowed us to be a little bit more open um you know one of the one of the concepts that i hear a lot more is i think we've always been afraid of failure right like that's a mm. kind of a it's a bad four-letter word it, it is and you know, I've seen more and more, whether it's LinkedIn or wherever it is, just conversations and, and probably your podcast as well. But people are being more open to the idea of it's okay to fail. And I think as we as we're okay, get more okay with that and and more okay with making mistakes and those kinds of things, I think that leads us to innovation a little bit, right? Like yeah, if, we're, sure. if we're afraid to fail, we're gonna be afraid to take on new things and try new things. And I think mm -hmm. as as we continue to have that conversation and we talk more about it's okay to try things and to fail and to move on and to, you know, that it's part of the process. Um, you know, I think those things will help to expedite uh, innovation and technology and, and kind of change the industry as fast as anything has. Yeah. Uh, more than uh, agree with that. I think that it's, it's a reframing of a failure that it's, that's your biggest learning growth mm -hmm. and, and potential there. If, if you're, uh, uh, honestly taking the time to kind of reflect and, and think back and, and comb through of, all right, why did it not work? Mm -hmm. You can learn so much and, and grow so much and, and get more uh, efficient by yeah. having that kind of process. But um, so kind of in that, that vein, what are some ways that, that uh, you found that every company can kind of create those operational efficiencies and then how do they know that they they've arrived and they've achieved that goal? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think one of the, I, I think the first thing is trying to understand, it's almost like, it's almost auditing sort of like, what is, how do we make money? What is sort of our process? Like what, what do we do as a business? And I think as we start to sort of lay that out, like what is our workflow essentially from, you know, project conception clear through to closing out the project and the maintenance of the project, and then starting to identify where, 
where are places that we're not being as efficient as we could be? You know, a lot of people I know talk about the handoffs and it's the handoff from design to the pre-con team and from pre-con to construction. There's a lot of things that we tend to lose in those those areas. So I think a lot of it's just whether it's on paper or if it's using a software, whatever it is, it's kind of laying out what is our overall company workflow? What do we do? Um, you know, and then starting to identify where are areas where we can be more efficient, more effective. Where are we losing things? Um, I think that's the first step for anybody. Um, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day is, uh, you know, you said, what's the what's the goal or how do we know we're being effective with it is uh, is one defining the goal. What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to be? Right. And and right. I think, you know, trying to come up with the metrics and everything that we need to have to ultimately to kind of back into that. Um, I think is the only way to really know know if we're making progress or not. Yeah. When does technology come into that conversation? Um, you know, I think it's sometimes it's not as early maybe as people think. I think there's I think there's this element of we have to understand what the process is first, right? Uh, we see a lot in technology. You probably see this too, where there there can be an element of sort of adopting technology just to adopt the technology. And that's not that's not necessarily the place to start. The place to start is understanding where do we have a problem and is there a technology ultimately that can help us with that problem? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's it. I mean, I think for me, it's technology to solve business uh, problems or business issues, not just technology for technology's sake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh preach. Uh, I think people get <laughs> distracted with the, the, the shiny object syndrome. Yeah. They're like, well, that person over there is, is using this technology and they're doing great. So we must have to adopt it as well too. Yeah. Well, you may not have the problem that they had that they're trying to solve. I think that's exactly it, man. I think there's, there's so much of like the me too kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. we see this over here and those people are doing that and we have to do that. Um, I don't think it's always the case We're we're unique for a reason. Like we have our own way of doing business. And so, you know, our tech stack may be a little bit different than, uh, than the direct competitors. And I think that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are there certain, uh, kind of things from a business side that mm -hmm. you have found need to be in place before, the technology conversation comes into place as well. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a kind of where, you know, what I've said a few times already probably is, is like, we have to understand like our way of doing business before we can find the technology kind of that fits into it. Um, and I think just understanding who we're trying to be as a company, where we're trying to be, what our position is, um, you know, it, it, we can't say that we're an innovative company if we're not willing to innovate. So I think just understanding who we are, what our purpose, what our mission is, um, what our goal is as a business, uh, the type of people we want to attract. I think the more we can kind of understand those things, then we can kind of back into to our way of working and, and ultimately the technologies that kind of go along with it. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIMUP is for innovative construction professionals like you, offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there. Mm -hmm. uh, curious from your thoughts, who should be 
who should have a seat at that table for the the technology conversation and the, the business process and, and really kind of doing that mm-hmm. um, kind of self audit, if you will, of where they stand. You know, it's ultimately everybody, right? Um, at, some, at some point, hopefully everybody has somewhat of a say. I think one of my favorite things about the technology side of our business, though, is for me, it's it's the place where I see young leaders be able to have a seat at the table the earliest. Um, and so, you know, I think we're all struggling with the this the skilled labor shortage and we're struggling to get young people into our industry and so i think it's a great opportunity to pull in the young folks within our organizations and and ask them and see where where their peers are going and the industries that their peers are interested in and what you know what what they're seeing and what they expect um you know i think i think that's a, an awesome opportunity to start to see the the young people have a seat and be able to to have some impact pretty early in their careers um, yeah, but at the same time, we do still have to know that we we may have you know more seasoned superintendents out in the field and project managers and these guys that that ultimately we have to cater to them as well. We have to understand what they need and uh, make sure that we kind of bridge uh, you know bridge the gap between those two things for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Bonus points for the yeah, I know I, the, I, the I, name I, in there. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree on, on both of those. I, I love that you started with everybody. Cause I agree. I think a, a mistake that a lot of companies make is they outsource it to the technology department and then they don't bring anybody else in. And yeah. then they wonder why people are like, well, this doesn't do anything that we actually care about, or they're not bought into what the, the new system is going to be. And so it totally bombs, even if the technology is great it bombs because nobody's bought in. So you, you got to yeah. work to get that, uh, that cultural buy-in to yeah. the technology. And uh, yeah, and I, you're absolutely right. It is where it goes to, well, probably way too often in, in our industry is, is what's the IT department say, or, you know, what do our IT consultants say? And, and I think that's probably the last place I'd like to see it start. Right. Is like, I, w- I want us to understand a little bit internally, kind of who we are, what we need um, and, and hopefully have more of a say than just, just the IT department ideally. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it should start almost in all cases with the, the field and what's mm-hmm. actually going on of like, where is your actual pain point and why is that a pain point? Yeah. And then try to work backwards to, to solve it. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're going to, by doing that, you're getting their buy-in. You're getting the right software that's going to actually address the the pain points, and you're going to discover a lot of stuff along the way too. Of like, oh well, we actually already have a solution for that pain point. If that's your biggest pain point, we're good. <laughs> we don't have to spend anything. We just have to implement this. <laughs> you know? No, I think that's exactly it. I think generating buy-in throughout that process, right, is always the toughest thing. And I think a lot of generating buy-in is just making sure we really like take time to listen to people, understand what problems they're facing, hear them and, and apply what they're actually saying to, you know, the solutions that we bring. So, um, yeah, I, I think if we can just change that, how we generate buy-in thing a little bit, that'd make a big difference. Yeah. So kind of pivoting the, the conversation a yeah. bit, where do you see, uh, AI really kind of coming in and, and helping to change the game in construction? Uh, you know, it's, it's coming fast, right? Um, you know, I think if six months ago, we, that may not be like the, the, the hot topic or the thing that, that immediately comes up, it might be more a general technology conversation, but, um, I know the uh, chat GPT thing has been like just the 
the biggest thing to really bring AI to the forefront. Um, you know, we're seeing it a ton. So at Stack, we do a lot with pre-construction and, and the construction phase. Um, and we're seeing a ton. It's amazing the, um, the amount of, of kind of the front end of, of pre-construction and things where, where AI can have a huge, huge impact. So I think it's absolutely the future of where we're going. And I think, um, you know, the more training data and the more information that's available and um, the more these technologies start to come up. I know uh, we've started to use ChatGPT just around the office and it's absolutely phenomenal of some of the things that it can do, some of the yeah. questions that it can answer. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we're starting to see it on the contract side, the legal side. We're seeing it in, in pre-con and takeoff um, and estimating to some regard. Um, so, yeah, I think it's 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 here to stay for sure. Um, you know, I think it's going to hopefully uh, I would love to see it start to fill a little bit of that void that we have in, in the need for labor. So um, I think it could be really, really advantageous for construction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so to ask kind of the uh, the the question that I think lurks in the back of a lot of people's minds with AI is, is what should, how is the perceived threat level? Where should that actually rank? Is it, is it super threatening? Is it coming for, you know, everybody's job and we're going to be run by the machines or is it <laughs> on the other side of just, just going to augment different stuff and everybody's okay. Calm down. You know, we're, we're kind of in that range. Do you see it? Yeah. I, I, I like the comment that I've heard a few times now, which is like, you're not going to, your job's not going to be replaced by AI. It's going to be the, you know, replaced by the people using AI, right? Like mm -hmm. the people who are willing to leverage it and adopt it, those are the people who are going to be stronger. I mean, I think it's just like anything else that we've run into. Um, there's a lot of elements of, of like chat GPT, for an example, is, is, um, it's like the new version of Google. And if you're not willing to go out and Google the things that you need or go out and find the information you need, I think ideally for me, where AI really starts is it's going to start hopefully replacing kind of those low level tasks that we've ultimately needed to replace for a long time. Um, I think, uh, you know, hopefully maybe some of the more dangerous tasks, I think technology can kind of through robotics and other things can start to replace more of the dangerous tasks that we, we really probably shouldn't have people focused on it uh, anyway. But no, I think it's more of an augmentation and, and adding to what we do, hopefully, than it is an actual replacing um, the creativity and the stuff that we need from our people day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully refocusing yeah. our people a little bit too, right? Like I don't want my, my best people doing a lot of like data entry and like little task oriented things. I want them focused on more high payoff activities for us. Um, and, and to me, that's where AI gets us. It gets our really smart people focused on really smart things, not, not doing kind of the more task oriented things. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I think it is, it should be liberating and, mm -hmm. and yeah. allow people to tap into that more creative side as, is what you said of, yeah. uh, you know, d doing the stuff that people are really good at and machines are not, you know, machines can only do what you program them to do. And, and yeah. they don't see the uh, creative solution or, or factor in the, the risk that is needed into that. Sometimes you got to take a chance of, yeah, on paper, this looks like a dumb decision, but yeah, I think it's going to pay off. <laughs> oh, that's a great point. Well, and I, I kind of went down the risk path, right. Of like the dangerous job site things with the robotics and that, but, but there are also these like high risk things that we do within the office, right. Where, Ultimately, a computer probably can, you know, enter a bunch of data better and more accurately than I'm going to. So let it like let it do that stuff that I don't do that well anyway. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think it has its place. I think 
the biggest thing we can do is be paying attention to it and make sure that we're leveraging it. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very nice. What are some big ways that companies can minimize their risk then? Um, yeah, I think some of it is, is just, it is, it is, it's moving away from our old processes and procedures. I think, um, I think, you know, anything that we can ultimately get off paper or get off of our, um, error prone Excel spreadsheets, um, you know, I think leveraging technology to the best ways possible, I think is the biggest thing that we can all be doing. Um, uh, I do think that there's, there is some level, um, just to flip back a little bit is, is, is still, is documenting a little bit of what we do. Um, you know, I think I see a lot of in construction. One of the things that we, we do a lot is, is we just kind of trust individuals to operate the way that they operate. And I think starting to see it more like systematization and, um, uh, those kinds of things, putting process behind what we do. Um, I think those two things combined with leveraging technology, um, hopefully kind of reduce some of the risk and the things that we, we run into. Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you see as kind of that, that next step, the next evolution, if you will, in the industrialization of construction? Um, I think for me, the, the first step is really, I, I'm excited just for everybody to start to get up to speed. Like, I think we have a lot of, um, smaller companies in construction that are, that are really just on the cusp. And so I'm actually, I'm probably, I'm, I'm really excited about that. I think we also have a, a really nice cohort of folks within the construction industry that are really pushing the envelope. So, yeah, I think we'll continue to see AI adoption be a, a huge deal. Um, I think there's a lot that's starting to happen with like virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, and we're really starting to push the envelope with, with some of that and what it looks like from the design side. Um, I think the internet of things and how that's going to start to impact the safety of job sites and, and wearables and kind of what we do um, from that perspective will be pretty huge. Um, I do think robotics is an interesting one. I think um, there are a lot of things within uh, construction where uh, we do have some pretty high risk um, scenarios and situations. Uh, so I am really excited kind of to see where where we can go with robotics and what what's going to happen there um, as well. So. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned uh, several different trends there. Do yeah. you see one kind of catching on steam quicker than the others to, to reach the, the critical mass? Um, I don't know that there's like any one silver bullet that I would say. Um, you know, I think I think it's really kind of the combination of all those things starting to come together. Um, you know, the more data that's available, the, the they all kind of power each other, I think, to some regard. So, you know, I think it's it's how do we best leverage all these different technologies together to get the end result? Um, I would love to think that there's just one that's going to like come on and solve the supply chain issues that we have and are going to solve the, the skilled labor shortage and that are, you know, going to fix all these things. But um, but I think it's it's just looking at all of them together. And truthfully, the the end result's probably not even any of the ones that you and I are talking about today, right? It's it's mm. all those things come together as we're all paying attention to it as we sort of breed innovation in the industry. I think there's a lot of things that are going to start to come up over the next few years that there are things that we're not even looking at or thinking about today um, that that'll maybe have the biggest change. Um, so I think we just have to kind of keep an open mind to it and be looking for those things, not get stuck in kind of our old way of doing stuff. Um, and I think think all of it will kind of change over the next few years. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you, so you brought up the silver bullet. I agree that there's no one kind of technology that is the, the silver bullet. If there is such a thing as a silver bullet, I think it comes down to the mindset shift that we talked about earlier uh, of being 
open and, and changing the kind of closed off, we've always done it this way mentality, flipping that on its head and being, no, we're totally open to trying new things. It, we're going to can take that risk. We're going to put ourselves out there, be willing to learn when something is going to fail because nobody bats a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's, that's okay. And to kind of give grace with that. And that's a big, it's a big mindset shift in, in general, mm-hmm. but especially in construction industry that hasn't historically adopted that, that mindset. Um, mm-hmm. But that's where the innovation really starts to, to take root and, and flourish. It is. I think we can't be afraid of it. I think, I think we have to be a little careful though, too, right. It's like, we can't just change to change. Like we have to have a reason behind it. And I think that, you know, making sure that we, that we know why we're doing the things that we're doing and and being open to those things. You know, I don't just want us to change for the sake of change. Like we need to keep the things that make us really good and really strong, but also be kind of keeping that open mind, um, you know, as we, as we do it as well. Right. Yeah. One of my favorite illustrations is is when two people come up to a fence and one person looks and it's like, let's take the fence down. We got to take down all the the barriers and charge forward. And other person's like, well, wait, before we take down the fence, let's figure out why they put the fence there and see if it's a good reason. <laughs> it was right. good. Yeah. Let's keep the fence. If it's bad, you know, there's a cliff on the other side. <laughs> right, right. There's a reason. Let's keep the fence up. You know? <laughs> so I, I, I agree. There's a, there's a yin and a yang, you know, of you got to push the, the boundaries, but take the time and, and think through why do people, put this in place and yeah does it make sense still to keep it might have meant sense to start that process 10 years ago and now times are different their technology has totally changed in the last decade and it's time to kind of re-up well i think i think that is it brings up kind of a whole nother point too is is spending the time up front to sort of like understand why i think too often we Mm -hmm. kind of get in this this mindset where we're like moving like we think innovation is just moving faster and sometimes it's like actually slowing down and asking the right questions. And I think, yeah. I think that's something too, that um, if we can spend a little time like building foundation and, and asking questions, doing the right things, understanding our people and why they're doing things the way that they do them. Um, I think we can build off of it um, and not just always be kind of head down and, and running as fast as we can at it too. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what does innovation mean to you then? Um, you know, I, I think innovation for me is it's, it's tough. I think in our industry, a lot of times we think it's the crazy out there, like over the top ideas. Um, for me, innovations, it's, it's the little changes that we make every day just to make ourselves better. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's looking at everything with, again, that kind of open mindset and just figuring out like, how can we just change this? How can we tweak this just a little bit? Like innovation doesn't have to be the massive, like we completely changed the company overnight. It's, it's how do we evolve the company over time? I think it's just, it's keeping an open mind. I think it's, um, looking for better ways to do things, um, and just kind of making that incremental change that hopefully kind of drives us all forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those little 1% tweaks added on top of each other creates a huge, uh, you know, just groundswell of, of change over the, the long run. The old adage, right? Like yeah. if I can just do be like 1% better every day, right? Like I get a lot better over the course of, of a year, over five years, right. whatever. So yeah, those yeah, little that's changes. How progress is made. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Yeah. Uh-huh. So how do people find out more on what you're doing and connect with you? 
Yeah. So uh, always love talking to people in the industry that are interested in, in making change or, or, you know, adding technologies or, or, you know, making themselves more efficient. So they can find me at um, a Henderson. They can email me at a Henderson at stackct.com. They're welcome to check out stack at stackct.com. Um, always more than happy to connect and, and talk with folks. Awesome. Well, last question for you. Yep. If I could give you all power to snap your fingers and innovate one thing in construction, what would you choose to innovate? Oh man. Um, that's a big question, Todd. Uh, I think it would just simply be like, I, I, I want to just see us be better as an industry, right? Like I, I don't know that it's any one innovation I want to see change. I just want everybody coming in every day, just going, how can I make construction better? Um, so for me, it's like, it's more of a, of a mindset shift than it is about like a big innovation that I could make. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I think that's the big change I would make is just like, how do, how do we make construction? How do we, how do we move from the bottom of that McKinsey scale to the middle or to the top of that McKinsey scale? Like we have such an awesome opportunity within construction of where we can take it and what we can do. Um, so for me, it's just, if, if we could figure out how to get the industry behind that shift, um, that's, I think what would make, uh, that's the thing I would get the most excited about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good one. And like we talked about at the beginning, I think that the the tide is changing on mm -hmm. that for sure. And it is leaning over into that direction. So yeah. uh, you might not have to, to wait too long. For that, too long that snap. <laughs> yeah. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yep. You too, Todd. Thanks. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. As I mentioned during the conversation, if there is such a thing as a silver bullet in construction, I believe it rests in a mindset change that embraces innovation and repositions failure as an amazing learning opportunity to grow. Second take, Aaron mentioned that we shouldn't feel threatened by AI and that AI won't replace people's jobs, but people that learn to work with AI will replace people's jobs that don't. It really goes back to that mindset shift again. It is important to keep ourselves open to learning new technologies and processes. And final take, I more than agree with Aaron that sometimes, maybe even most times, innovation is about slowing down to think through the options and not just running blindly ahead for the sake of action. When you come to a fence in your way, stop and ask why the fence is there before taking it down you just might be surprised. Thanks for listening to this episode. Visit our sponsor, Applied Software, Great Tech Group at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an Applied Software Great Tech Group production. Copyright Applied Software Great Tech Group 2023.